Luke, the 15th chapter, we run into the story of a father who gives his sons or gives a son a portion or his portion of the inheritance. And that son goes out and takes that portion of the inheritance and spends it on wild living. And there's a moment in time, we don't know how much time passes, but there's a moment in time where that son recognizes the error of his ways and he yearns to be able to go back to be hired as a slave on his father's farm. And as he journeys back along the way, I can't imagine what's going through his mind, but his father, who is waiting for his arrival, who spots him a long way off, runs out and meets him and embraces him. Not because the son had left him, not because he was glad the son had taken his money, but because the father loved the son and love compelled the father to action. Love compels us to action. For some of you, you've been in a marriage that has been tumultuous and love is what keeps you there. For others of you, you have stuck by your child as they have suffered with substance abuse or you've been with your spouse as they stu- uh, they've suffered with substance abuse and you have hung in there despite counsel from some of your friends, despite counsel of other people. You've hung in there. Why have you hung in there? Because you love them. And you believe that the life that they have embodied in the moment of their transgression is not the life that either you intended for them or that God intended for them. And you believe that life could be better. Love causes us to do some crazy, crazy things. When you're dating, you'll do any a number of things to impress that significant other. Love will cause you to do amazing, illogical, undescribed things that you would have never imagined that you would do before. Love is what is the motivation of our relationships. It's what keeps us hanging in there in the midst of our problems and in the midst of our circumstances. It does not mean that we embrace everyone for everything that they go through. We don't embrace the things that they go through. But we embrace them as individuals in a common struggle because we know that we need to love them because if we don't love them, who else is going to demonstrate their love towards them? We love because God has loved us. We love because we have experienced what it's like to be forgiven from our sin. And for those of us who look in the mirror every morning and we think about where we've been, where our lives have been, what situations that we've encountered, we realize that all through all of that, God has been faithful. He's been steadfast in His love towards us. And so we love others because we recognize that God loves us. And that God does not give up on us, so therefore we should not give up on other people. We love first and foremost because He loves us. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 18, describing God, says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. And He loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food 
and clothing. He loves the strangers of this world. He loves the people that are not in the spotlight. He loves the people who do not fit in. And maybe you're one of those individuals. The question is, though, if we really think about it, were we not all a stranger at one time? Did we not at one time all feel awkward about our life? Did we not at one time feel the pressure of sin? Did we not at one time feel the agony that it was crowding in on us and it was like a cooking pot that was not going to, to release its pressure? We were ready to implode. We were ready to explode. We were ready to throw up on somebody, anybody because we just couldn't take it anymore. Have you been there? Because if you have, this message is for you. The reality is that all of us have felt estranged from God. All of us have felt like a stranger in His midst. We've been like Jesus who was taken in the middle of the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted. He was hungry. There was no one around. Have you ever felt like you're an island unto yourself? That you can't relate to anyone? That no one else can relate to you? Much less God? And it's in that moment that you and I have to understand that it's in the moment that we feel alone that God's presence is all the more real to us. Why? How can we say that? Because we love because He loves us. He is interested in those of us who don't fit in. He is interested in the stranger residing among us. And He says that He will provide food and clothing for them. We were once all strangers. Strangers to the gospel strangers to God. Yes, we may have grown up in church. We may be familiar with the many hymns. We may be familiar with John 3.16. But there was a time in our lives that we can say it was not personal to me. There was a time in our lives we could say that faith was a distant reality from me. It was not something that I was completely involved in. And then at some point in time there was a transition. There was a transformation in our lives and we went from being clueless to having some half-baked idea of whom to think, we went from being completely oblivious to our reality to understanding that there are needs, that there are people in need, and that every single person that's crossed the face of this earth struggles with some type of issue or circumstance, and that we are all in need of a Savior who loves us despite who we are. There was a time when we were a stranger, but we have become friends with God because of why? His great love for us. Because God did not give up on us even when we were willing to give up on ourselves. Even when you and I are faced with decisions and we realize that we've made a bad decision. We've made a series of bad decisions. Our life has been a bad decision. One bad decision after another. We can have confidence in the fact that God is not finished. And just because you and I are terrible at making a decision, He was not in creating you. For a purpose. See, God doesn't make any mistakes. God has never made a mistake. And the fact that you are here, let me be the first, uh, hopefully, it's not the first time you've heard it. You are not a mistake. You were created, we were created for more than what we find ourselves in today. We were created for a better life than what we find ourselves in today. And it has to do all about His tremendous love for us. Our ability to love occurs because He 
loves us. The fact is that his love changes everything. It changes the way and who you will choose to date. It changes the relationship of your marriage. It changes the relationship that you'll have with your children. It changes the relationship that you should have with other people in the church. It changes the relationship with the people that you might perceive in the community. Let me give you an illustration. Um, the other week I put an article in the paper concerning the issue at Duke University and specifically about their willingness to allow Muslims to have a service or a call to prayer inside Duke Chapel, which is the United Methodist Church. And so I wrote an article about that, put it on Facebook, uh, uh, the Star published it or whatnot. And I put in there that I love Muslims. Now, I want to tell you that when I say that, I'm very sincere about that. But that does not come naturally. What comes naturally is to love good old Southern Baptists like the rest of us. That comes natural. It comes very natural to love people like you and me that have the same interests, the same values, the same religion, the same type of faith, the same kind of hobbies. It is not easy to love people that are radically different from you. It is not easy to love people that many of them are fighting against the very center of your being. They would soon crucify Christ again as have to bow down and worship Him. It does not come easy to love those types of people. But God never said love was going to be easy. Because if love had been easy, God would not have sent His one and only Son to die on a cross to demonstrate His love. He would have simply... And it would have been done. But love demands so much more. And so you and I, when we are faced in this community and in our families and in our extended family of the church and in our community, don't ever let yourselves utter the words, I hate so-and-so. Because when you and I set up to hate someone... We are depleting the value of that individual in the divine work of God. God loves all people, including those who will never trust in His one and only Son. You and I do not have permission. We do not have the right to hate other people, regardless of the insults they throw at us, regardless of the persecution they do to us. Our response must be to love them. And I'll go a step further. I would even say, it is much easier for me to convey love towards those of Islamic faith when I've not been in the trenches having bullets whizzed by my ears because they're fighting me and they're trying to kill me. So I'm very sympathetic to those who have, because of the call of this country and because of their service to this country, have been put in harm's way. And I would never pretend to know what that's like or speak to what that's like. But what I can speak on is what God has said. And He is about loving them. And so even in that circumstance, having to work around that and coming to the realization that what, what is at stake is the value of life. And what is at stake is the value of a soul. And if we believe that God has created the heavens and the earth, and if we believe that all that He created is good, 
If we believe that God has created us with potential greater than what we find ourselves in, if we believe that everybody on the face of this planet is loved by God and God wants them to be saved and God wants them to trust in Christ, then you and I need to have a commitment to praying for the lostness no matter how it presents itself. And it's so easy to pray for lostness that doesn't hit our home. But it is very difficult to pray for lostness when it's creeping at our door. When it's in our family or when it's in our own being, in our own sense of reason. We love because God loves us. God has set the parameters of the relationships, the relationships that we have with Him, the relationships that we have with others. Loving others is not optional, it is a given. But not only do we love because He loves us, we love because when we love, we live. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 16, the Bible says, the Lord speaking, For I command you to love the Lord your God, then you will live. Love the Lord your God and you will live. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in what? Love. That's all that matters. Love brings life. We were created to love and to be loved, to love, the, love God, the God who created us, to be loved by Him, to love other people, and to be loved by them. Listen, if you think for one nanosecond that you can go through this life and you don't need anyone else and all you need is Jesus, you have misunderstood the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is about our relationship with God, but it is about our relationship with others. You and I were never created to be alone. Our religion and our faith can be personal, but our religion and our faith must never be private. You can never wall off the spirituality that God has created through the work of the Holy Spirit that's indwelling in your heart. It's not meant just to be yours. That love, that experience, that relationship is meant to share with others. So why? So that we can take the people that are on the front lines fighting against our country, fighting against our God, and so that they can have a radical transformation through the person of Jesus Christ. It's only going to happen when you and I are committed to doing more than simply wishful thinking. Praying consistently and constantly for the lostness that so often envelops our lives. We love because when we love, we live. Edmund Burke said that all that, any, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And I would go on to say that evil wins every time you and I fail to love. In fact, sin is birthed in the absence of love. You think about it. Every sin that you commit, no matter how small you want to make it or how great you want to pretend it to be, every sin that you and I commit occurs in the absence of love. It is in the absence of love. It's not because of love. You say, well, I did this because I loved her. Bull caca. 
that ain't gonna work I did this because I love my children bull sin exists where love does not sin is all about a two-letter word an object pronoun for you English majors what it would it be me me sin is all about me it's about putting me first what I want about what I need everything nothing is more important than what I need for myself because I want me to be happy me 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 sin happens every time we do that but when you and I are radically transformed by God and when you and I have radically submitted ourselves to the Lordship of Christ me transitions to we and suddenly your concern not just about what you want not just about what you need but you're also concerned about the needs of others as you reflect on the relationship that you have with God and as you begin to practice that relationship with other people see it all happens in the cross event of our lives when we focus on the cross and we have when we are in our right spectrum of relationships we are listening to God we are pursuing God but we are demonstrating God to others that we encounter that's why when Jesus says I want you to take the gospel to the ends of the earth that's what he means the gospel that has got not only words to it but the gospel that's being demonstrated by our actions we love because when we love we live we also love because love in conclusion never fails love never fails love will never fail you his love will never fail you love never ends lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 says because of his great love we are not consumed for his compassion never fails God's love never diminishes the Bible communicates over and over that God's love is steadfast it communicates over and over that it does not fail it cannot be exhausted we cannot love too much it never gives up love always brings hope if there's anything that our generation needs today it is hope hope of the gospel the truth of Christ the message that he brings so as we think about his love and we think about what he's done and we think about our lives we think about our children our grandchildren our family our friends we think how have we been how have we demonstrated God's love with other people most of us could probably think on a more realistic terms how have we not demonstrated it how have we failed to love as God has loved I bet you if I gave you a sheet of paper you could jot that down there's some things that come to mind just like that oh I know exactly when I have not exhibited when I have not practiced God's love in this relationship or in that relationship or in this circumstance or in this conversation or in that email or in this meeting and the list could go on and on 
and own. You and I want to have a better life. You and I want to have an experience beyond, exp- uh, beyond expression. We want to be able to, to bask in the joy of God and in the love of God. We want to have the warm fuzzies. We want our life to be perfect. We want to be able to have the American dream. We want to be have this, this, this. And if you listen to what I say, we want to be able. It's all about us. Make no mistake, God is at work in and amongst us. And his desire is that not only that we would accept his love that he's given through Christ, but that we would accept it, that we would study it, that we would apply it, and that we would spread it. It would be more contagious than the flu. If you and I would have a commitment... So the question for today is not about are we loved by God? That's a given. The question is not are we deserving of God's love? Of course we are because He created us. He doesn't create mistakes. He doesn't create junk. But the question is will we love God And will we love others as a result of his love for us? Will we love God? Will we love others as a result of us being loved by him? And that is really the question of the invitation. Because we sit perfectly in this room... Many of us are focused on, this afternoon, although most of us don't really care about those two teams that are going to be playing this afternoon. Uh, They're not our teams. And so we're focused on the commercials, or we're focused on the halftime show. Please don't confess that. Or we're focused on the food that we might be able to partake. Or we're focused on lunch. Or we're focused on the fact that it's now 1144, and we need to be done. See, I've been where you are. I've sat and said, gosh, I just wish that guy would shut up and sit down. I'm just being real. As real as I'm being, are you being real with yourself? We talk about the love of God. We talk about the love for others. We talk about His amazing grace. I have spent the last 60-some weeks... Focusing on his love. Not even 60 weeks, almost 60 weeks. Everything has been centered on his love. So that we would not only understand it for ourselves, because it's not something intellectual that you and I can really fathom, but it's something that should continually blow our minds. The fact that he loves us, despite who we are. He wants to have a relationship with us, despite our failures. He wants us to be his child despite the fact that we don't make good children and we're disobedient. That he wants to give us a seat of prominence and a seat of calling. That he will use us in our gifts for his glory. He wants to use us despite our failures, despite our inadequacies, despite who we are, despite our pride, despite our arrogance. He still wants to use us 
despite our affliction, despite our bad habits, despite the failure that we had in a marriage, despite the failure that we had in this arena or that arena, He wants to use us. Because when God looks at us, He looks at us in perfection. He doesn't see the nastiness of our lives. He sees us through the lens of the gospel of Christ, which has radically transformed us. So quit having a pity party. Quit focusing on your failures. Quit focusing on, well, I can't do this because 10 years ago I did this. Do we really want to go there? Do we really want to go there? No. Because God doesn't want to go there. God has separated our sins as far as the east is the west. As long as we've come to him, we've asked for forgiveness, we've repented, which means we've turned in an opposite direction and we're seeking to go another place. And some of you are saying, okay, well that doesn't apply to me because I continue to struggle with the same sin over and 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 over again. Well then this message is also for you. Because I'm just going to simply ask this. Is his love not strong enough? Is his love not great enough? To break your habit? Maybe you've not had success because you've not turned it over to Him. Maybe you've not had success because you've prayed about it, you keep tinkering with it, but you've not fully released yourself to Him. We are more than conquerors through Him who gives us strength. His grace is sufficient for us. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All things! His love is greater than our deepest affliction. His love is greater than our strongest, most terrible sin. His love is greater than anything that you and I could ever face. But the question is, do we believe it? Either He's real or He's not. Either His love is real or it's not. There's no halfway point here. The reality is this, God loves you, God has a plan for you, He has a plan for all of us, and it's to have a life better than what we find ourselves in today. We love because He loves us. We love because when we love, we live. And we love because love never fails. It's never failed on you. Don't you attempt to fail on it. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, as we go into a time of invitation, if there's anyone here who does not know you personally, who's not experienced your love in a real and personal way, we want to give them the opportunity to do that. If there's others here who have messed up and messed up and messed up over and over again and they just cannot get out of the cyclical action of being defeated God I pray that your spirit would speak in this time of invitation and help them know that they will never sin more than what God can love them through that no matter what they face no matter what circumstance God's love is steadfast it is constant it is not dependent on our action or reaction to him it exists solely through the divine grace of His Son, Jesus Christ. It is through Christ that we have hope. It is through Christ that we have help. 
It is through Christ that we have the wholeness that we need. Some of us are like broken toys. We need to be fixed. And that fixing is not up to us. No doctor, no medication, no amount of talking or praying through it's going to work. It's going to take the work of the one who created us. Help us to bask in that moment of knowing your love and making it known. God, if there's others here who would like to join this fellowship to be a part of the family of First Baptist Church, we welcome them with open arms. May your spirit speak, may your spirit guide, and may we heed your call, no matter what it might be, as we respond to you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand for our invitation this morning? If you need to make a decision to trust in Christ, recommit your life, join our fellowship. Maybe you need to just pray at the altar. The altar is open during this invitation. Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you respond?